0: And as we've said before, welcome to Hallmark, whether you are uh, online or on site, we are thankful that you have chosen to worship with us. Uh, as you can tell, I am not Pastor John, as Stephanie mentioned, he is making his way um, but we're excited, as um, Stephanie said, as we get to kind of celebrate over these next couple of, we've done already in the past and over these next couple of weeks, just got what God is doing uh, in, in the midst of us, whether it's you, just personally, you've you've seen God at work this past year, or, you know, as we're going to celebrate as a church, as a body, the things that God has allowed us as a church, as a people, to be able to do over these Uh, last few months and so we're just thankful for that Um, but again yeah definitely be praying for pastor john um, also allison our children's director and um, four of our church members that have made the trip and it seems like it's going to be a long couple of days for them to get back so definitely be praying for them Uh, but i'm excited to continue uh in this series that we've uh uh, entitled Hallmarks of Hallmark. This is kind of the opportunity for us to uh, kind of just lay the foundation, kind of the groundwork, the the basics for who we are. You know, kind of as we start this new year, uh, kind of just a refreshing um, reminder, uh, in a sense a refresh uh, refreshed course on who we are as a church. And the beautiful thing, though, that I love is This isn't something new, you know. This is not something that we just kind of sprung out of nowhere. Um, This is not something that we kind of, you know, got together as a brain trust of leadership and like, man, what's going to be a catchy phrase for us to do? This is something that as Hallmark that we have been, you have been a part of for over these 75 plus years we've kind of just honed in and just made them perhaps a little catchy for you to be able to remember. Uh, Pastor Matt, um, I love how his brain works, mainly because my brain works a little bit like his too. Um, But when we first kind of introduced this, uh, Pastor John kind of challenged us, hey, as leaders, this is not something that we just kind of like, oh, this is what we're about. Like he wanted to make sure that we knew what it was. And so he Quizzed us for about a month, each staff meeting. Hey, what what are our core values? And so again, as we're trying to memorize this, we're like trying to like, how, how can we memorize it? Pastor Matt's like, be a pro. I was like, what? Be a pro. We are biblically driven, personally involved, radically generous, and outwardly focused. Be a pro. So maybe if you're trying to make, I don't think Pastor John's going to quiz you, okay? But just in case he does, you know what we are about. And over these last couple of weeks, Pastor John kicked it off talking about how we are biblically driven. How we are going to adjust our lives to make sure that we live according to the Bible. That we are not going to adjust the Bible to fit our lives. That's not what we're about. That we are going to hold our Bible, God's word, as the centerpiece for everything that we do in this church. Then the second thing as Pastor Nathan talked to us last week is about being personally involved. And that reminder that proximity, being next to someone does not equate community. I think it's very easy for us to think just because we're sitting and rubbing elbows or shoulders with someone that we are in community. But Pastor Nathan encouraged us to take that next step. That, that this is a good step. You being here, let's celebrate that. We, we do not want to diminish the fact that you got up early for some of you, brave the cold weather, which by the way, I'm I'm just tired. Like I'm done. Like, I can't wait for summer. I know, 100 degrees and oh, it's so hot. I prefer that than this. I'm, I'm done with this. But let's not minimize the fact that you are here. Let's celebrate that. But also understand that there's more steps to this. That community is not just uh, you, you tip your, your cup of coffee or you cheer your donut, right? Like, hey, good to see you, brother. No, 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 it's, it's more than that. It's investment, being involved in someone's life and letting them be involved in your life. And we've kind of given you avenues to do that through our connect groups on Sunday morning, before or after service. We've done that through our Wednesday nights, within our students, within our kids, within our young adults. We've provided avenues for you to be able to be in community But one of the things as we continue is to, to truly live out the mission that God has given us as a church. Is we also have to be radically generous. But, but I want you to remember like that this is who we are. This is not we're trying to force ourselves to be this. This is who we are. If we call ourselves to be Christ's followers. If we call ourselves Christians. This is who we are. If you were to come to my house, and you were to step foot in my home office, per se, you would see a lot of different things. Hopefully it would be clean, I don't know. Perhaps my desk would be a bit messy. But you would see a few things. You would see that I have pictures of my family. I have pictures of my beautiful bride from our wedding day. You would see that I have my monitor hooked up to my computer so that I can edit videos. But it's also hooked up to my best friend since elementary school, my video game console. At this time, it just happens to be a PlayStation 5. You're also going to see that I have, sadly, a lot of Jets uh, memorabilia, some bobbleheads, perhaps. You're going to also see a mug, usually with some cold coffee, because I never really finish it at times, but I need it in my life. You're also going to see a Bible. You're going to see some devotionals. You're going to see some Lego sets. So a lot of things, by the way, I'm, I'm being transparent with you guys, okay? I just want to let you know, all right? You're going to see a lot of my, the things that I hold dear to me, some of my quirkiness, perhaps, but all of it kind of shows you who I am. It gives you a bit of an idea of what I'm about, perhaps some of the things that define me and make me who I am. But here's the beauty of it. I am not those things when I'm just when I'm in the office. You see, because when I leave the office and step foot in my living room or step foot in my neighborhood or step foot at church, at work, with people around me, that's who I am. Those things will also show. You will see that I care and love my family. You will see that I care about God, hopefully, hopefully. You're gonna see that I root for the Jets. You're gonna see that I like to build Lego sets with my girls. So those are things about me, and that's the beauty of it. Like, who we are is not just when we're inside these four walls. This is who we are when we leave. This is who we are when we interact with our coworkers, with our family, with our friends, with our neighbors. So again, it's not trying to fit ourselves into this is who we need to be, this is who we should be if we're Christ followers. And so I get the opportunity to talk about being radically generous. And I know some people got a little tense. I get it. But here's the beauty of it, is that being radically generous means so much more than what you think. So as you guys open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, we're going to look a little bit of, uh, we're going to look at the early church and how they lived radically generous, how this group of Christ followers began to live out their faith and what it looked like. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 2, verse 40 is where we're going to start. And this is what it says. With many other words, he, being Peter, testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Now we're going to stop right there real quick, because one of the things that I want you to see is... The group of people that Peter is preaching or teaching to right now is also the same group that was there advocating for the crucifixion of Jesus. These are the same people that were there and they're not being guilted, they're not being shamed by Peter. Peter is literally presenting the gospel, presenting that they could also experience forgiveness, would be able to experience salvation. So rather than assigning blame or guilt, Peter was promising them forgiveness to those that would repent, which is beautiful because we see what happens. It says that, They received the message, and thousands were added to them. Verse 42, they, being the new followers, the new Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Man, this is, again, as a pastor and as a church leadership, like this is a dream come true. Like this is the pinnacle, right? You you preach a message and thousands are are saved. You know, the the church membership, in a sense, uh, uh, grew 25 times after this message. And you start thinking, what, how did the church, how were they able to accommodate all of these numbers, right? Because as a church, like, th- that would be a problem if we as a church multiplied 25 times. Now, granted, that's a good problem to have, but still a problem. So how did they figure out how to grow in community, to live out their faith, I think it's interesting that this new and growing church did everything right, and it was and today continues to be kind of the model for worship, both collectively as a whole, but even broken down into small groups when it comes to discipleship, showing care for one another, evangelizing, and serving. See, what I love is that it says that they were in awe of the things that God was doing, right? This godly awe was filled, filled the people, and was reflected in their attitudes, in their relationships, in their giving, and every other aspect of their lives. In other words, they began to live radically generous. So what what does that look like for us now? 2024, which is crazy to say, 2024, what, how does that look like for us? Three things that I want to just kind of pull from here is the first thing that we see is that to be radically generous, we must be radically generous with our time. Now, I love that every aspect of these new Christians was devoted to community, was devoted to being personally involved with one another, right? They devoted themselves to teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. It says that they met daily in the temple. They daily got together and broke bread. They gave their time to one another. I think that's the one thing that kind of gives all of us an equal playing field is we all have time. And I'm not trying to get into your schedule and your calendar. I'm just letting you know that every single one of us have the exact same 24 hours. 1,440 minutes each day. And I say it's an, evil, an even playing field because no one has more or less time We are all in the same field. We all have the exact same time. The difference is what we decide to do with that time. When I was thinking about preaching and teaching, and I came to this point, there's only one person that came to mind. And it's this guy over here. His name is Sean Clements. He's the one wearing the FBI sweatshirt. Man, that guy on, the ro- on his right. Oh, I'm sorry, on his left, I apologize. Good looking guy right there. Now, this is a picture of Sean Clements. You might not know who he is, but let me enlighten you. It's crazy to also say, but about 21 years ago, I began to take my faith and relationship with Jesus serious. Because before, I was a Sunday Christian. And by Sunday Christian, I meant an hour and a half tops. But it wasn't until I truly gave my life to Jesus that I, tried, that I finally realized how important community and my personal growth was. And so I actually began attending youth group more consistently. And on Wednesday nights we would have small groups. And this was our high school small group led by Sean Clements. And this man every week would show up and lead our small group. Which at the time I didn't really think much of it like, all right, cool. We we'll get to hang out with Sean. We're gonna talk about the Bible. We're gonna talk about our lives, cool. And it really didn't hit me till I was probably in college and became more of an adult that I realized what this man had done in my life. Because he invested so much of his time into this group. He was a hard worker, he was married, I think at one point had four girls under the age of six. So, so maybe, he just, maybe he just didn't want to go home, right? That's why he came and served in our, in our student ministry. But every Wednesday he was there. He worked in the construction business, so sometimes he wouldn't even get to go home. He would come straight from work. So by the time he got home, he would have spent close to 12, 15 hours outside of his home. But never did I doubt that he was going to be there. And I thank him to this day for everything that he invested in me. And he invested so much in those high school students. He wasn't paid by the church. He just gave of his time because he knew that's something that he had and that he could give to serve others. I love what Peter, who gave the message in Acts 2, and then writes a letter, and this is what he says in 1 Peter 4.10, it says just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. We all have time to serve others, but Peter kinda goes on and tells us that now we have gifts or talents to specifically serve others. Because again, being radically generous not only with our time, but with our talents. God has uniquely created us, every single one of us, and has given us gifts and talents. And these gifts and talents are not so that we can pat ourselves on the back, so that we can flex and go, man, look at me, I am God's gift to this world. Not in that sense, you are God's gift to this world. But that gift is to serve others, to use those gifts to expand his kingdom. Look what Paul says in Romans 12 as he breaks down those gifts that God gives us. It says, for by the grace given to you, again, God has given these talents, these gifts to you. I tell you, everyone among you, not to to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy... Use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. Unique gifts to serve others. I love that about God. I love the fact that God has given us unique gifts. And has spared you from having me serve you by singing on stage. I love that God has blessed a team full of individuals that serve week in and week out. And play. And sing. And serve us by leading us in worship. I love that a generation that loves or is Talented with technology, would give of their services to, to run our tech, our cameras, maybe even those young at heart. I love how, some, how God has wired some of you to be a friendly face, to like to smile, to make people feel welcome by opening and greeting or perhaps even just serving a cup of coffee. I love how God has given you the ability to care for babies and teach kids in the nursery. And not only serve and bless them, but be able to serve and bless the parents so that they could come in and worship. I love how some of you have been wired to serve that next generation in our kids' ministry, in our student ministry, in our young adults. Knowing that there's a a crop of people, of men and women, that God is bringing along, and you want to help them, similar to the way Sean helped me. I love how some of you have been wired to serve our community through our events spring-a-palooza, fall-a-palooza, or even on a monthly basis when you hand out meals at our food bank. Guys, I, I can go on and on about the different Avenues, just within these four walls that we as a church are able to serve. And the beauty of it is we're not asking or you're not uh, obligated to serve in all of those ministries because we understand we're wired differently. Last week I had the, the opportunity to, as Allison, our children's director's away on, her, on the mission trip, to, to, to teach kids ministry. I'll be honest with you. I get as nervous to teach those kids as I do to teach to you guys. Put me in a group with middle school and high schoolers, and I'm good. This, whew, if you guys would understand, <laughs> all right. <laughs> but kids, it's the same way. But I love how God has wired us differently, given us passions, talents to be used. And what I want to, want to encourage you is, some of you guys are already doing this. Which is awesome, but some of us, some of you, are just kind of watching. You're spectating. But I want to encourage you. Right? We don't want to shame you or guilt you. Like, what's wrong with you? Now that was weak. All right, what's wrong with you? Right? <laughs> like that's that's not that's not our goal here. We just want to let you know that there's more to your faith than just coming in on a Sunday morning that some of you have something to offer others, to be radically generous with your talents. We have to use our talents and our gifts to serve others and to expand our kingdom. I'm sorry, expand God's kingdom. If you're sitting... In the pews on your right or to your left, there should be a trust challenge of 2024. And on the back of it, it's talking about your next steps. We've had this for the last three weeks because we want you to truly take this and pray about what that next step is in your life because we all have one. Man, 2023 was awesome. But 2024 could be even better. Because God wants to use you. But now we get to the part of the message where it gets a little bit uncomfortable, right? This is kind of where the eye eye contact drops a little bit. Because we've gone from being generous with our time, which we talked about we all have. We've gone to being generous with our talents, because we're... Wired differently, but now it gets a little bit personal, right? Because now we're called to also be generous with our treasures. Because as it says in that Acts 2 passage, that they sold their possessions and gave the proceeds to all so that no one would have need. This is that part of the interaction where we flip our iPad over to you and we ask you for a tip and it gets a little awkward right Uh, but I want you to know again we're not here to guilt you or shame you but we want to present to you an opportunity to continue to be generous and live out what God's called us to do That this, again, this is not an option. This is who we are. If you're a Christ follower, a Christian, this is what we're called to do and be. Last week, I had the opportunity to to meet with my D group, which is pretty much a bunch of our um, student ministry leaders, and one of our leaders kind of shared a bit of his testimony and I was, I was in awe for a couple reasons because his testimony was not what I knew him to be. I had always known Keith to be a generous person and when he shared his testimony, I was like, people need to hear this. So I'm going to ask keith to come up and share a little bit of his testimony can you guys give it up for keith
1: that's the last time i share anything with carlos (laughs) he told me to keep it at five minutes or less so i wrote a three and a half minute speech and anticipate a minute and a half of crying (laughs) So in uh, a lot of ways, I did not want to share this because I'm reluctant to take credit for anything that I've done. Uh, It's just that God has changed me dramatically over the years. Uh, Romans 7, 18, it says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability. So greed was one of my main sins uh, all throughout my life. Uh, to the point of where I would uh justify my actions, and I would do things like pad my timesheet, use company assets for personal gain, even at one point, you had me crying before I got up here, even at one point, uh stole from my parents by borrowing money and not paying it back. So, it even got to the point where, and while I was doing this, I would still call myself a Christian. That's what was funny about it, because I went forward, I would uh, say the prayer, go to church, got baptized, and did all all these other things, but I was as far away from God as anybody could be. And... I would uh, eventually get to the point where I put my family in half a million dollars in debt, doing risky schemes, uh, stupid decisions. And there's a verse in the Bible that talks about like a dog going back to his vomit. That's what I would do is I would just keep on doing the same thing over and over again and each time it's like God was just knocking me down. and It was at my lowest point where Jesus saved me, and he completely changed my heart. Uh, He immediately put it in me to start to repay my debts, even the people that didn't expect it back. Uh, Me and Leslie started selling everything. I think the kids were worried they were next. Uh, We never saw the inside of a restaurant, uh, besides going to a dollar menu where you can get anything you want on the dollar menu, but you're not getting a drink, we got those at home. So that, that's just what we did, and God made me realize that when you make God your money, you want to cling to your money. You you don't want to let it go, but when, because, but Jesus says that you can't serve God in money. It's It's one or the other, so I finally got that in my thick brain, and I, I gave it all over to God. And God really started to bless our obedience. We started tithing to churches, our new church, and, we, and he provided everything that we needed. Not everything we wanted, everything we needed. For the first time in my life, I started to put other people first. I was introduced to a ministry through a co-worker. My name David Hayes, called, uh, and the ministry is called Real for Christ. And it was around this time of year, uh, we were getting our taxes ready. And every year in our marriage, up until that point, we'd get two or $3,000 back. And uh, we prayed about it. The, the problem that year was that we had a couch, oh, by the way, and we had just started to finish paying off debt takes a long time to pay off a half million dollars in debt. So it was uh, that year we uh, prayed about it. We had this old couch that we wanted replaced, all torn up. And me and Leslie prayed about a couch. To, uh, the, you know, even, it was kind of silly at the time to me, but I'm like, hey, we're involving God in all our finances. So I said, hey, whatever we get from the—we uh, want to— Whatever we get for our tax return, we would like to have a couch. And whatever's left over, we're going to give it to Real for Christ. Well, we get a call from the account, like, a few days later. says, hey, you guys are getting a little bit back a little bit more than what you normally get. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Uh, didn't really expect that. But the most that, that, the most that we'd ever gotten back was $3,200, right? And I said, praise God, how much are we getting back? $12,000, I know, that's a really nice couch. <laughs> no, we had already had picked, a couch picked out, it wasn't $12,000. But I will say that uh, that is a testament to God, right? That's not anything that I did, that was the best check, that was the biggest check I've ever held in my life. But that was the best check that I've ever written because, I mean, me and Leslie got that uh, news and we just started laughing. We're like, start the timer. (laughs) How awesome is that, that he allowed us that opportunity? So thank you for letting me share. I've had the opportunity to know
0: Keith and Leslie Uh, For all five and a half years that uh, we've been down here, um, what I love is um, they're probably some of the humblest people that I've met, Uh, and they exemplify, when we talk about living radically generous, I didn't tell them this, but they truly give of their time, their talents, And their money. They have been serving in our student ministry long before I even came in. And what I love is that they've been there so long that they work with our middle schoolers. But our high schoolers still love to hang out and talk to them. Even when they graduate, those are the same students. That they were involved in their life when they were in kids ministry and fourth and fifth grade. They're constantly spending of their time to be in the lives of students. And they've talked to me several times when we have an event, camp, whatever it might be, and pull me off to the side and tell me if someone needs help to go to camp, We'll make sure that they go to camp. This is what God's called us to be. You and I, Hallmark Church, to be able to be radically generous with our time, our talents, and our treasure. I love how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians He said, the point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or out of compulsion. Since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need you may excel in every good work see what I love is that God's not looking for your time, your talents, and your money, God doesn't need it God is looking after our heart God wants us Because when he has our heart, everything else will follow. And as Keith testified, as I will testify, sometimes it takes a little longer to follow. But if he has your heart, those things will follow. Because that's who we are. But what I love about God is that we don't have to look very far to see this in action. This is who God is. God gave his son. John 3, 16. For God gave his son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And even Jesus showed us a living example when he gave his life, when he laid down his life for us. That as Romans says, even while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. That's what God's all about, being radically generous himself. And if we're little Christians, we're little Christ, we're following along in those footsteps, We're called to do the same. So I want to encourage you. I don't know where you are. For some of you, church, and this is new. And before, you know, you get a little bit rattled of like, oh, here's a church asking for money. No, no, no. That's not what we're asking. God's asking for you first that you would know true forgiveness, that you would know true love, that you would know salvation. The Bible says that we are sinners, that we're born sinners, meaning that there's nothing good in us. There's nothing that we can do to reach God. Our sin has separated us from God. But God, being generous, sent his son To live out a perfect life. To die on the cross. Die a death that we should have died. And three days later come back to life to give us an opportunity to close that gap. To give us an opportunity for us to have a relationship with God himself. So if you're, this is your first time or this is new, understand God wants you, wants your heart first and foremost but I also know that there's several of you here that can celebrate this new life that you have that you know what God has done in your life but maybe for you that next step is where am I lacking in my generosity if I truly do An inventory of my life. How am I doing with my time? How am I doing with my gifts and my talents? And how am I doing with my treasure, with my money? Am I living out the way that God wants me to live my life? Over these next few minutes, we're just going to take time to just pray, you and God, because one of the things that is kind of the, the, the binding root of this radical generosity is Jesus. And what better way to celebrate and to remember that than to partake of the Lord's Supper? And so when you walked in, hopefully you were able to grab a communion cup with the juice and the cracker. And if you didn't, when we take time to pray, you can go out and grab and come back in. But we want to give everyone an opportunity, one, to truly experience salvation for the very first time. To cry out to God and say, God, forgive me of my sins. The things that I have done have kept me from you, but I'm coming to you now and receiving this grace in my life. And for the rest of us as believers, that we would take time to examine our life and see what God has done, how God is working in us, and how we can truly, fully surrender ourselves to God. If you guys want to join me in prayer. Father, I thank you for who you are. A God that is radically generous. A God that has shown us from the beginning of time how much you do love and care for us. Sending your son to die on the cross for our sin. And I pray that if there's anyone in here that has never truly experienced salvation, Father, that they would cry out to you and admit that they're a sinner, believe in you. Believe in the, the price you paid and believe in the salva- in the resurrection and confess that you are Lord. That as they do that, that they would truly know salvation and be able to tell whoever brought them. Maybe come see me and be able to celebrate what God You've done in their lives. Father, as we take time to observe and think of your death on the cross, Father, help us to remember how you were radically generous and how you've called us to be radically generous. As we partake, Elements that we would be reminded that you gave it all and you're calling us to live our lives and to give it our all. That we would be able to serve others but more importantly that we would be called and do the, the will that you've called us for. Father, we love you. take these next few moments and sing or maybe take these next few moments just between you and God and then we'll partake of the Lord's Supper corporately.